I don't wanna be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, no. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is The Truth For Youth, the podcast that is dedicated to bringing you biblical truth because we live in a world where it's hard to know what is truth. We are told so many half-truths and lies and there's so much deceit in this world and so many people spewing their opinion that they're saying is fact when in reality it is not fact and it is not truth. So this podcast is dedicated to truth, not Micah's truth, biblical truth. What did Jesus say? What has God said? And that's what it's based on. So look, last week we started talking about love. You know, it's Valentine's Day, which I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day. But today we're going to talk about a different type of love, a love greater than that of the love of a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or a husband, or a wife. We're talking about the love that God has for us. And you've probably been there before where you've questioned that. Like, are we sure that God really loves us? You know, there's, there's been some things in my life that I've done that I just don't think God can love me. You know, perhaps you've had that thought. Perhaps you've said, you know, I've done too many bad things or too many wrong things or had too many bad thoughts that there's no way that God can still love me because I messed up. Well, that is our focus today. So look, we're going to talk about, I'm going to hit four different reasons or evidence or examples or truths that God has said of why we can be assured of the love that God has for us. All right, so let's look at it. We're going to look at the first one. And look, we're going to start at the very basics. You are alive. You have been given a life. Now, let's think about this for a second. You were not guaranteed a life. It's not like we were all, you know, just going to be granted a life at some point or another. No, it, and it's a weird thing to think about. But if you can comprehend it just a little bit, that you may not have ever existed. I'm not talking about existing as someone else. I'm talking about you may not have ever existed ever in any kind of form. And I know that, that, you know, hurts my brain to think about that. So the fact that God decided you're worthy enough to be created, that should show you that you have value and that God loved you enough and loved me enough that he's given us a life and if you look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5, this is what God told Jeremiah. He says, I chose you before I gave you life. And before you were born, I selected you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, again, this was a specific statement to Jeremiah. But if he says this to Jeremiah, if he's saying, look, I chose you before I gave you life. And before you were born, I selected you then that's the same for us. We're humans too. That means that God did not just accidentally create us. He created us with a purpose. He created us with something in mind. And he says he knew us. And then he, he created us for something. That means he loved us. All right, let's look at a second one. And this is the big one that I'm sure you've probably heard this passage, even if you didn't grow up in the church. 
This is a passage that Tim Tebow really made famous. You know, he used to wear it under his eye black, under his eyes during football games. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, that's a verse that maybe some of you can quote, but I'm going to give it to you again in two different translations. That was the, the translation. I don't even know what translation, honestly, that was. That's just one that I remember I learned as a kid, and it's just always stuck with me. But I'm going to read you a more modern-day translation of that. One is coming from the Good News translation, and this is what it said. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life. All right, now here's an expanded version of that in the message, and and it's going to actually go 16 through 18, but this is what it says. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, the one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again, and anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. So we're going back to this theme of God loved us enough that he sent his Son, his one and only Son, Jesus, to come and to die, to be a sacrifice for us. This is another passage that talks about it's the same concept. It's just, again, a different passage, and it's worded a little differently. It's in 1 John chapter 14, verses 9 and 10. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into this wicked world to bring to us eternal life through his death. In this act, we see what real love is. It is not our love for God but it is his love for us when he sent his son to satisfy God's anger against our sins. So here's the whole point of those passages. God loved you. God loves me so much that he says, you know what? I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to die for you because I know you've messed up. There has to be a reconciliation because I'm a sinful human being. You are a sinful human being. You've messed up. We've all messed up. And because of that, we're separated from a holy, perfect God. But here's the thing. God wants us to be in a relationship. God wants us to have everlasting life with him. So he has created a way for that to happen. But the unfortunate thing for God for Jesus, was that God had to send his only son. He had to sacrifice, literally sacrifice his only son, give up his son's life so that we 
could be forgiven of our sins so that we could have everlasting life. And that was the only way it was going to work. Now, I know majority of you listening to this podcast, you do not have kids. And I hope you don't for a little while, okay? Because most of you are teenagers. But one day you will have kids more than likely. I hope you do. I pray you do. Because it's a whole new adventure. It's a whole nother level of love that you get to experience. But the thought of giving one of my sons as a sacrifice, as trading their life for something or for someone, that, I can't do that. (laughs) I mean, I cannot imagine that. Just cannot grasp it. And that's what God is saying. And that's what he did. He's like, look, this is my one and only son. Not that, you know, the only child makes it harder. I mean, I guess in some sense, some weird sense, I guess it is harder to give up your only child versus maybe if you have multiple children, not that you love your children any more, any less, but I guess maybe the mindset is if you only have one child, then you have no other child to pour that love and attention into versus, you know, if you were to to lose a child, then you have other children. Yes, you definitely, you know, miss that child and you're heartbroken, you're devastated, but there's some other children that you can still put your time and energy and attention and love towards um, maybe to help cope with that. But anyways, that's not the topic. The topic is God sacrificed his son, his one and only son. Now, for you you students out there that may be listening or for those that don't have children, maybe you have a pet that you love. I mean, like, you better really, really love this pet. Like, it's a part of the family. Um, and I've had dogs that, that have definitely felt like have been part of the family, and I've been devastated when they passed away, and it did feel like a human had, had passed away, uh, but obviously not, not to that level. So for you, think about that, okay? If you have a pet that you truly love, think about sacrificing that pet. Think about giving that pet's life for someone. That person could be a stranger. It, it may even be your best friend. I mean, but gosh, I, I can't imagine sacrificing an animal, my pet, for even a best friend. I mean, that would be very, very difficult, right? And much less a child. Okay, so I want you to grasp that. That was a difficult, difficult thing, but that shows how much he loves us because, buddy, you better really love someone if you're going to sacrifice that. All right, so let's look at point three. Jesus went to the cross, All right, so this is piggybacking on what we just talked about. We just talked about God sacrificing Jesus. God said, I'm giving you Jesus. But ultimately, Jesus kind of gets a say-so in this, right? Like, he comes, he lives, he's a grown man, and now it's time for him to go through this brutal um, situation where he's got to be humiliated. He's got to be rejected. He's going to be beaten and spit on and mocked and abused and ultimately suffer and die on a cross, a humiliating, extremely brutal and painful death. And if we look at the passage in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, this is what it says. He went forward a little, and he fell down on the ground, and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup be taken away from me. 
but I want your will, not mine. All right, so this is where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, right? And it's starting to weigh on him, and he's starting to really feel the, the weight of it and, and the reality of it. Now, look, I think, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. Sometimes I think we get this mindset of, it's God, okay? It, it's God. I mean, he can bear anything. He can handle anything. He probably didn't really even feel it, right, because he's God. You know, he, he, he could have rejected it. And, but no, look, yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. He was 100% human as well, meaning he felt he felt the emotions. He felt the rejection. He felt the humiliation. He physically felt the pain. He had the nerves in his body that were feeling that pain, excruciating, the broken bones and the, the, the thorns on his head and the, the nails in his feet and his hands. I mean, he felt that pain. He felt it all. And he knew that was coming. And now he's like, God, hey, <laughs> there's any other way, if there's a plan B, we can make this thing happen without me having to go through this, let's do that. But you know what he says in the end? But God, not my will, I want your will. You know what that's really saying? He's saying, God, I love these people too, and I'm willing to die for them. So if there's not another way, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to die for them. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to suffer. You know, it didn't have to be this way because I am God. <laughs> but this is how much I love you. I love all of you. And I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to give my life and to die on this cross because the love that I have for you, that is strong. Now look, last week, we hit on this a lot about love not being just an emotion. It is an action. Guys, this is all action. We're talking about God creating you, God giving his son to die for you, Jesus physically going to the cross and dying for us. And the last one, guess what? It's action as well. Point number four. Look at what Jesus did on this earth, okay? What did he do? He lived and he loved the unlovable, the outcasts. Well, you may be saying, well, what does that have to do with Jesus loving me? Look, Jesus was God. He could have come back to this earth as anything that he wanted. He could have come back as a king that was worshiped and praised and hung out with royalty all day long. But what did he do? He came back as a humble servant. And what was his actions? What did his life look like when he was here on earth? He was a humble guy. He was helping others. He, he wasn't running around with royalty and all the rich people. No, he, he was with the poor, right? He was hanging out with fishermen. He was hanging out with the dreaded and outcast tax collectors that were like looked at as just criminals and crooks. Let's look at a passage that talks about that. Luke chapter 5, verses 29 through 31. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. 
But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. What is that saying? It's saying Jesus didn't come to just live it up, party, hang out with the wealthy, and have a great time in, on earth. He came to help and to sacrifice and to love the people that were, were the outcasts, right? Those tax collectors were seen as dirtbags, as scum. Jesus went and hung out with them, knowing that his reputation was going to be uh, hindered, right? That it was going to, that they were, the, these religious leaders, these Pharisees were going to hate on Jesus for doing that. He knew that was coming. He knew he was going to catch a lot of flack for this, but he did it anyways because he loved these outcasts, right? He loved these people enough to sacrifice his reputation, to sacrifice what other people thought of him and, and his popularity or whatever, his acceptance by certain groups, because he loved these people enough to, jo to go have dinner with them so he could build a relationship with them and teach them what love was and to teach them what everlasting life was and to show them that he truly was the Messiah. Here's another example. Luke chapter 6, 6 through 11. On another Sabbath, he was in the synagogue teaching, and a man was present whose right hand was deformed. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees watched closely to see whether he would heal the man that day since it was the Sabbath. For they were eager to find some charge to bring against him. How well he knew their thoughts. But he said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand here where everyone can see. So he did. And then Jesus said to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, I have a question for you. Is it right to do good on the Sabbath day or to do harm? To save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then he said to the man, Reach out your hand. And as he did, it became completely normal again. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to plot his murder. Murder. That's right. Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. Now remember, the Sabbath was supposed to be a day of rest. And that's what these Pharisees, these quote-unquote religious leaders, were trying to catch Jesus in a trap. And what did it say? Jesus knew. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew this was going to, again, hurt his reputation. But he did it anyways. Two reasons. One, he wanted to make a point. The law, it, it's not about this legalistic law. right? There, yes, we need to rest and we need to, to worship and we need to respect God and kind of have a day of, of dedication to him. But he was like, I'm going to heal a man. Are you really going to hate me because I'm about to heal a man? Now, look, Jesus could have easily waited till the morning to do this. 
but he chose to do it anyways because he wanted to make that point. And two, he loved this man. His love for this man and to heal him and help him was greater than his reputation. And again, he knew these Pharisees were going to get mad. He knew it was going to hurt his popularity. And even they started to plot his murder because of this. Jesus knew all that, and he did it anyways. Because his love for you and for me is so much greater than that. So much greater than that. Those are the four points that I wanted to hit on. Obviously, there's so many more examples in the Bible that, man, God and Jesus continue to love people despite mess-ups, despite mistakes, and he always is going above and beyond. He wants us to have everlasting life with him, and he's willing to sacrifice, and he's willing to do whatever. But now let me say this. It's still our decision as humans to accept that love, right, and to choose to believe in Jesus, that's on us, okay? Jesus is doing his part by loving and giving us the option. Now, I want to kind of go with this one more verse just as kind of a finisher, as kind of a closer here. It's Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. This is what it says. For I am convinced that nothing can separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, the angels won't, and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, or where we are, high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. Love is a verb, right? Love is action. And we can be uh, fully assured that God loves us, loves us more than we can ever comprehend and more than we will ever love him or more than we will ever love anybody else on this earth. And the great news about all this and the peace that, that you and I can have is nothing can ever take that love away. Nothing and no one. God's always going to love you. Now, again, we have to reciprocate that, okay? Just because he loves us doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. You have to accept that love, and you do have to commit your life to Jesus in order for there to be that everlasting relationship with God in eternity. But no one has taken his love away from us. No, nothing this world can do, nothing that can happen, have that peace of mind. Guys, you are loved. You are loved by the creator of all, and that's all that should matter. Yeah, we may get rejected. Yeah, we're going to get some heartbroken uh, situations here on this earth, but it doesn't compare to God's love, and that's what really matters. Guys, I also want you to know that I love you, okay? Hey, if I can do anything for you, if you have questions or comments, feel free to hit me up in the email. It is in those show notes. Uh, for this podcast. Guys, thanks again. If you're finding value, please, please share the podcast. I greatly appreciate that. All right, we will see you in the next podcast. Until then, you have a great week and bye-bye. I don't want to be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free so you could hear the truth. Yeah, I know that we are.